Go podcast is brought to you by The Sanctuary. For more information, please visit www.thesanctuarychurch.com. We are in a Christmas series, Discovering the More. We're discovering the more of Christmas. I believe God wants more for us, but I also believe he wants more from us. Uh, I cannot tell you how often I, I have sung the song, you know, more of you, Jesus. And he's like, I gave you everything I got, man. I have nothing else to give you. But uh, there, is, there is an exchange that God is looking for. Most of us are treating God like a, like a heavenly genie, kind of like, oh, please give me some of this. You know? And God is like, yeah, well, I want something from you. I want your life. Oh, that's, that's a big deal, right? Yeah, but I'll give you life abundantly for it. And so there is, a, there is a trade that we're making there. But God is wanting things from us in this Christmas season, and I want to encourage you, uh, as I mentioned last week, to make every effort in this Christmas season to make it to these, these teachings, these, these conversations that we're having. I want you to be here. I want you to experience the fullness of these messages uh, that's going to culminate on the 30th, actually, after Christmas. I have a prophetic word that I want to share with our congregation for our congregation. I believe the Lord has shared something with me, and I want to share it with you, and I'm going to do that on the 30th. Uh, we are right now celebrating Advent. Uh, it's a Latin word, actually, meaning the coming of or the arrival. Today, in Advent, we are celebrating faith. And so, one of the ways that we do that is we, we light this candle. Not everybody's got to have one of these. You don't, you don't have to, like, oh, i got to go get some candles. Oh, uh, otherwise, like, babe, we need to buy something. Right? Uh, but, but what we're doing is we are lighting a candle each week to remind us of what's happening. Now, some of you, if you don't have one of these, I encourage you to pick up one. I, I never celebrated Advent until about three or four years ago. And I heard about this thing called Advent, and I said, what is that all about? And I started looking at it, and I said, man, that is a great way to stay focused in a season which I am completely distracted in. I know the season's supposed to be about Jesus. I mean, I need a button that says, Jesus is the reason for the season, as much as anybody. But what happens is I get so caught up in the gotta go, gotta be, gotta, all the expectations that are placed on me and that I place on other people in this season that I kind of forget sometimes. Oh, wait, Christmas. And so this is a way that keeps me kind of grounded. So uh, if you don't have one of those flyers, pick one up from the, uh, from the ushers. Uh, there's ways to celebrate Advent in the Resource Center. They've got a little book there talked about the journey of Christmas, and it's a daily devotional. It's terrific, but it keeps us focused. So we're celebrating Advent. Today is the Bethlehem candle, and it's about the Bethlehem journey that Mary and Joseph took to Bethlehem. And so we're not going to talk about that, though. You knew that, right? Right? It's like, Pastor Marty, what's he going to talk about? He's not going to talk about that at Christmas. You know what I want to talk about today? David and Goliath. Seems like an appropriate Christmas message, doesn't it, right? Well, I want to talk about that because there's a, this, this is the first in your notes here. It's about perseverance. Perseverance through hardship. That's what the Bethlehem candle represents, is having to keep going, keep going, keep going. Uh, I would have turned around. Or I don't even know that I would have started the journey if I was Joseph and Mary. He's like, really? we got to go 80 miles on foot? Really? Just so they can count us? Just send a postcard. Yes, I'm here, you know, kind of a thing. Uh, but, so they made this journey, and then they get there, and there's no room at the end. I mean, there's, it's a great story, Luke 2. But they continue to go on, go on. Oh, you're going to have to have a baby in a barn. Really? Uh, mm. They continue on, they continue on. I want to talk about that this morning. Bethlehem, again, this Bethlehem candle, it also is the hometown 
of the Christmas character I want to talk about, the Christmas profile today. His name is David. Many of you know about David. He's one of the most complex characters in the Old Testament. When you see his life, you just go, what is this guy about? We can learn a lot about David. Many people know, okay, well, let's see, he was king, right? He was there with King David, and then he had, a, he had a son named Solomon, and he made that star with the triangles, one upside down, and, you know, I know that, star of David, right? That's, I, I know that, right? But there's some more things I want to look at today in regards to David. Again, the Bible says he's a man after God's own heart, and that's, that's what I want to look at. Well, so what was that all about? Uh, the Bible records David. Open up your Bibles to 1 Samuel. If you brought your Bible, I hope you brought your Bible, right? Go to walk the dog, you bring the dog. Uh, we're going to church, we bring our Bibles. So here's this, here's this thing going on here. David is about 12 to 16 years old. He's a tweener, a young teenager, and God is looking for a king. He's already got a king, a guy named Saul, but it's not God's choice for king. That was man's choice for king. All the people got together and said, look how tall Saul is. Saul tall, right? And they look, he's so handsome, we should make him king. And God says, all right, but it's not going to end well here, you know, and, and very quickly it doesn't. So Samuel has been sent to a guy's house named Jesse. And in 1 Samuel chapter 16, Samuel has arrived at Jesse's house and he's looking for God's choice for king. And uh, he first sees a guy named Eliab, that's a, that's a great name, Eliab, who is David's oldest brother, and he's thinking, oh man. In fact, the Bible says he took one look at Eliab and said, this guy's got to be king. Look how handsome he is. Look how tall he is. Look how strong he is. And I, and I love God's response. In 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 7, listen to this response. When, when the prophet sees Eliab, he goes, oh, one look, is, oh, this is it. Look at how God responds. One of my favorite scriptures in 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 7. The Lord tells Samuel, get ready, don't judge by his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. And if you got a highlighter, this is where you want to start highlighting. If you were going to memorize a scripture this week, this is the one you want to memorize. It's really good. We've got to get this into our system. Here it comes, ready? The Lord doesn't see things the way you see them. People judge by outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Now you want to memorize that one. That works in business, that works in family, that works in marriage. This is, this is applicable across the board. We've got to stop looking at the outward appearance and got to start looking at the heart. That's where God's looking. And I like to judge based on outward appearance. That guy's lazy, that guy's, you know, I like to do that. Any, anybody else want to join me on that judgment wagon? I hate it. I hate it about myself that I make those judgments based on appearance. But God says, hey, hey, that, that's not the way I function. And so here's Samuel, he's like, well, you know, I know the Lord told me to come here. And so, well, if it's not him, you have any other sons? Because, you know, in his mind, he's like, I know I'm supposed to be here to get the king. So it's got to be one of your sons. If it ain't the tall, good-looking one, who is it? He goes, you got any of the sons? Well, we got number two, number three, number four. He goes, man, four sons. Oh, no, we're not done. Here's number five. Here's number six. Here's number seven. He's like, nope, 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 nope. One after another. The appearance, the rejection. It's none of these. Man, I know the Lord told me to come here and get the king. Do you have any other sons? Oh, we got David, but he stinks. You don't, you don't want David. <laughs> Clearly, man, that's not, you didn't come for David. I should probably look at him. But he takes care of the sheep. And I, I don't know, 
sheep are second only to pigs as far as nasty smell. I mean, it is bad. I, I just, it's terrible. And he said, well, you should go get David. Even though he's a shepherd, you want to talk to him? Yeah, that's the one. Go get him. He, but he's the runt. I Go get him. He walks in and watch what happens in verse 13. In verse 13, David's standing there, listen to this, among his brothers. And Samuel takes a flask of olive oil that he had brought and he anoints David. In front of his brothers, he anoints him with the oil and the spirit of the Lord, here it comes, the spirit of the Lord comes powerfully upon David from that day on. Now this whole oil thing, just so you know, it's just a representation thing. We have like communion, we'll have like bread and crackers and a cup of juice. It's, it's just representing the body of Christ that was broken, the blood of Jesus that was spilled. It's just a representation. This oil is a representation of the flow of the Holy Spirit. And, and that's what happens. He gets anointed with oil. Sometimes when I'll pray for you or somebody will pray for you, they say, can I anoint you with oil, they'll ask. And we'll take a little, we don't pour off a whole flask, right? We just take a little oil and we, we anoint people. We, we pray for people with oil because it represents the spirit coming. And then it says this, it says, the spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David. So if you want the spirit of the Lord, don't ask for a little dab of oil, just the whole thing, right? That's what it is right there. Okay, so here's what happens. Right after this, he gets anointed as the king. He's just a teenager. Right after this is probably one of the most well-known and repeated biblical accounts. It's David killing the giant Goliath. I once had a conversation with a guy, a business guy, we were having coffee, and we were talking about business, and, and he, said, he said, well, you know, it's really, it's really David and Goliath's situation. And I was like, oh, wow, really? Like, you know, so you see, how do you see that? And he goes, well, you know, because of the corporation, blah, 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 and we're just a smaller company, and blah, 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 blah. I said, you know where that story comes from, right? And he goes, no. That's out of the Bible. David and Goliath's in the Bible? Yeah. I was like, yeah, that's a Bible story. I had no idea. Business understands the concept of what happened with David and Goliath. Well, let me get into it a little bit here. The Philistines are the enemies of the Israelites, right? And they're at war with them. And they've been taunting the Israelite, the Israelite army, the forces, going, hey, let's get it on. Let's, let's make this thing happen, right? And they propose a duel between this giant named Goliath and whoever chooses to fight him. We'll take on anybody. All comers, bring it on, right? But nobody in Israel volunteers to fight the giant. Nobody's going out there, right? And so David's older brothers, remember, they're part of the army. The older brothers that watch that whole anointing thing, his brothers are there. They're not volunteering, nobody's volunteering. And every morning and every night for 40 days, Goliath comes out, hey, let's get it on. Let's get ready to rumble, right? Here's a giant going, I'll take anybody. In fact, I'll take two of you. Come on. Three, bring it. Bring it on. Just bring somebody. 40 days. Over a month, he comes out every morning. Are you guys ready today? See you tonight. <laughs> comes back out tonight. How about tonight? 40 days over and over and over again. You guys are a bunch of wusses. Is there nobody in Israel that could come on to me? Come on now. Nope. Nobody comes forward. And that's when David is sent to his brothers on the battlefield. And he hears about Goliath's boasts. He's standing there and he hears it. And David's standing on the battlefield and he's like, really? So let me ask you a question, man. So what does the guy get who kills this punk? 
right? Whoever takes this guy out, what does the guy get? Who will destroy this guy? And listen to what he says. He says, to remove this disgrace from Israel. Because this is wrong. This guy's sitting here shouting at us, mocking us. Hey, you said you have a living God? Where is he today? Bunch of chickens. I don't know he did that, but anyway. (laughs) David's talking like this. His brothers are cutting him down. And then King Saul hears about it. Remember King Saul? Okay, the Bible says that King Saul is head and shoulders above all men. So his shoulders start here on me. A big guy, but he's not volunteering to fight the giant. The biggest among them is the king. I'm not going out there. You seen that guy? He's got a guy, he's got a guy in front of him, and all he does is hold the shield. One guy just props it up. Goliath doesn't even hold his own shield, he's so big. It takes one man just to hold it up. I'm not fighting him. But the king hears about it. He says, who's who's this making all this noise about this Goliath guy? I want want to talk to him. And so David appears before the king. And look what he tells tells the king in verse 32. Chapter 17, verse 32. You still with me? Watch this now. David says to the king, hey, (laughs) don't worry about this Philistine. I'll go fight him. Right? King Saul. Right? It's like, um, listen, now if I'm shoulders and head above everybody else, you're around the knees of this guy. Right? You're like, sock him in the kneecap, you know, kind of a thing. He's like, I'll take on Goliath. He's like, this isn't going to happen. Now many of you remember the end of this story where David, in faith, takes this guy out, this giant. Look what happens in verse 36 and 37, chapter 17. Look at what happens here. He says this, I've done this, this is David, I've done this to lions and bears and tigers, oh my, right? He says, I'll do it to this pagan Philistine too. See, I'm a shepherd, I take care of my sheep and this is what I do all the time. The Lord who rescued me from the claws of the lion and the bear, he'll rescue me from this Philistine. You know what David's got going on there? Faith. There's some serious faith going on. Oh, I got this. This is easy. You ever want to waste some time, by the way? Just go on YouTube and watch, watch them. They're sling, sling contests, and they're accurate. I mean, they're hitting targets. It's like, wow, I wasted probably 30 minutes too much on YouTube watching slings. I was getting ready for this. I'm like, do they really do that? YouTube will tell me, right? It's amazing. But David has faith. He says, I know what we'll do. So Saul said, okay, cool. Here, here's my, here's my armor. Here's my sword. Go out and fight him. <laughs> like, really? I mean, he's feeding him. Saul is, is postponing the inevitable. This Goliath's going to tear us apart. And David goes, listen, I don't need the breastplate. I don't need the sword. I got this. Look at I got these rocks I can throw at him. Yeah, that's what's happening. That, and I want you to hear this. That is where David's faith is. The giant is not intimidated by any of the, of the Israelites, but David's not intimidated by the giant either. Look what he says here in verses 45 and 46, still in chapter 17. David replies to the giant, right? The giant says, what is this, man? You guys sent out a runt to come after me? Like a little dog going to nip at my heels, really? Listen to David's response to the giant. Listen to this. You come at me with sword and spear and javelin. 
Well, I come at you with the king's breastplate and his sword. No, and he doesn't have any of that, right? He says, I come at you with my slingshot and my rocks. What does David come to the giant with? This is cool. You come at me with sword, spear, and javelin. I come at you, ready for this. His confidence is not in how accurate he is with a sling. I come at you in the name of the Lord of heaven's armies, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. Today the Lord will conquer you, and <laughs> it gets better. But wait, there's more, Goliath, right? I'm going to kill you. I'm going to cut off your head, and then I'm going to give all the dead bodies of your men to the birds and wild animals, and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. Drop the mic. Right? He's like, what? And he's like, he's like, look, little boy. You know what I mean? This is David. This is a giant. Oh, listen, it is so over. In fact, let me just inform you now. It's over before it's begun. You hear this? You talk, he is talking smack. This game is on. And David brings, he's like, really? Is this the way it's going to go down? But I want you to see something. It's in your notes. David's faith and his passion. It's all for God's glory. That's what's motivating him. A lot of us are motivated by a lot of different things. David is motivated by God's glory. Do you hear what he says? I am here in the name of the Lord God of heaven's armies. Because, listen to what he says, everyone's going to know that there's a God in Israel. Do you hear the motivation in his, in his he, I'm bringing it. But I want to let you know. They're not going to, hey, and everybody's going to know that the little 12-year-old killed the giant. See, see the speech? They're all going to know there's a God in Israel today when I take you out and not bring you back. What I think is often overlooked in this context is the reason that David was on the battlefield to begin with. What was he doing there? So often we just overlook that. In fact, I just did it. We just skip right over it because we like to get to the good stuff, right? Where's the action? Let's get to the action. Get the part where he kills the giant, right? But I want to go over something with you. I want to look at this thing together. I want you to see why David was on the battlefield. So we're going to back up a little bit. In 1 Samuel chapter 17, look at verse 12 through 15. David is the son of the man named Jesse. We already met him, right? And he's got all these sons, right? Eliab, Abinadab, Shemia, all these other guys, right? They're all serving in Saul's army. In verse 14, David was the youngest son. His three older brothers were in Saul's army. David went back, listen to this, verse 15. He went back and forth so he could help his father with the sheep in Bethlehem. This is David's job. My brothers are all in the army and I watch the sheep. Not, not very glorious. My brothers are working for the king. I work for my dad in the fields, and I smell like that. David is running back and forth. He's the errand boy. And then we're going to pick it up in verse 17. One day, Jesse turns to David. Hey, David, come here. Take this basket of roasted grain and these ten loaves of bread and carry them to your brother's. And give these ten cuts of cheese to their captain. See how your brothers are getting along. And bring back a report on how they're doing. He says, this, I, I want to know what's happening, right? David's brothers were at Saul. Again, he's fighting there, right? I gotta, I gotta, I, it's just tough. David is the errand boy. What, and then watch how it culminates, though. In verse 20, 
David leaves the sheep with the other shepherd, and he set out early the next morning with the gifts, as Jesse had directed him. He arrived at the camp just as the Israelite army was leaving for the battlefield. Not to fight, but to just listen to the giant taunt them. Come on, what's going on, right? They're leaving for the battlefield with shouts and battle cries. Soon the Israelite army and the Philistine forces are facing each other. And David takes, listen to what it says, he takes, he leaves all these things with the keeper of the supplies and hurries out to the ranks to greet his brothers. And as he's talking with them, as he's talking with them, Goliath comes out and he hears the shouts, the usual, listen to this, he hears him shout his usual taunt to the army of Israel. 40 days, this is the way it goes, every day. He comes out, he says that to us, he goes back in, we go back to our tents because nobody's going out to fight him, and he comes out at night and he taunts us again. That's the setup. Now when I told you that today would be about faith and the arrival of faith, most of us want to skip directly to the battle scene. David with faith saying, in the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, in the name of the Holy Spirit, right? And kills you. That's not, that, that's not where the faith comes in. The faith comes in earlier. It comes into what we just read just now. The faith comes in, and it's not, it's not the incredible faith. It's not the groundbreaking, the earth-shattering faith. It's not the overwhelming faith. You know what it is? It's the mundane faith. It's the mundane faith of the pizza delivery boy. Take the bread and cheese to the captain, you know, that's, make pizza with it or something, you know. Here's David. Go, go take the food out to the, to the real men in battle. And when you get back, take care of the sheep again out in the field. That's, that's mundane. And I have a question for you. What will you do with the mundane days of faithfulness? Martin Luther actually asks the question. You know what mundane faithfulness is? Getting up and going to work even though you don't see the point to it. That's mundane faithfulness. You know what the mundane faithfulness is? Cleaning up the house even though you know it's about to get dirty anyway. Listen, I know it's wild, but the mundane faithfulness is brushing your teeth before you eat. It's like, well, this is what we do. And some of us live a life of mundane faithfulness. But it's a, big, it's a big place in that life. I've shared with you over the last several years, I have struggled. Over the last several years, I've, I've struggled in my own life with just depression in my life. It's been hard. I went through a, a season of my life that was just really hard. And i got to tell you, I was doing the right thing because it was the right thing to do. Not because I wanted to. I didn't want to get up in the morning Things were changing and shifting in my life, and I'm like, this is for the birds, man. Time for, you know, I'm a pastor. Time to go sell cars or insurance like all the other pastors do when they step out of the pulpit, right? And the Lord said, listen to this. Never make decisions like that in seasons like that. And so you know what I did? Carried on. Mundane faithfulness. I'm going to do what I know is right because it's the right thing to do. And that's hard because I wanted to quit. Screw this, this is crazy. Now I'm angry if, if I get out of bed at all. I gotta go back. I gotta fix things, fix my own life. My life's a mess. Expensive season of counseling in that season. Wow, right? I'm seeing four counselors in this season. 
four different counselors every month going, please help me out of this place. I'm a mess. But I knew, keep going. Don't quit. Don't stop. And that's what's happening with David. Please note that the story we just read, the go run the bread and cheese to the king and to the, your brothers, happened after he was anointed as king. What would you do? Have somebody else take the bread. I'm king, you know. Right? I ain't your errand boy anymore. Have somebody else. There, in fact, there is another shepherd. Why don't you have him start taking care of the sheep? Build me a throne or something because I'm going to be king. At least I know what I would be doing. Anybody want to join me on my royal quest? That's what would be happening. But you know, he goes, oh, dad, okay, I'll run the bread and the cheese to the battlefield. That, my friends, is mundane faithfulness. What are you doing with the mundane faithfulness? I was reading the Bible every day, and I got nothing out of it. I was afraid to say it often. <laughs> I was like, yeah, this is pretty dry. Oh, thanks anyway, God. <laughs> like lightning, right? But I knew, read this. This is truth. This is the truth about your life. I know you don't feel it. I know you don't see it. I know you're not experiencing it, but this is the truth. Stay to the truth. Because I wanted to believe the lies. It's not worth it. Forget it. And my life was very mundane. I was doing what I was doing because it was the right thing to do. And I kept doing it. I didn't feel like it. I'm like, I don't want to go hear another sermon. And my wife would say, no, you have to go preach another sermon. <laughs> and you were here. Some of you were here while I was telling people, it's hard. I'm having a hard time. Keep praying for me. But I kept coming because this is what I'm called to do. I'm going to do the right thing because it's the right thing to do. And that's what David's doing. He's doing the right thing because it's the right thing to do. He's protecting the sheep from the lions and the bears for this moment. It's just mundane. Hey, get out of here. Leave my sheep alone. Hey, get out of here. And he's protect them from the claws of the enemies, right? And then all of a sudden, this day shows up and he goes, oh, I know what to do here. You take out the giant. I don't know what kind of giants you're facing these days. But I bet you got one. And here's my question. What are you doing with the mundane days of faithfulness? Because that will tell you what you're about to do with this giant. If you've given up in the mundane, you'll give up against the giant as well. David was being faithful at the mundane, taking care of sheep. I'm delivering cheese and bread. It's what we do. And all of a sudden, he sees the situation. He goes, oh, I've been trained for this. And so here's what happens. We're having a conversation with a, another employee maybe or a, a, you know, a fellow employee, right? And, and they're, <coughs> you know, they're coughing and everything. And we, go, and we go, I should pray for them. <gasps> Don't pray for them, Goliath. What will they think, Goliath? And what's wild is they, they say, well, you're a Christian. They're thinking it. You're a Christian. Right? You're a Christian. You know what to do here. Oh, I don't know what to do. It's a giant before us. And that mundane faithfulness prepared David for this battle. Think about the mockery that he's taken from his brothers. 
you know, you got a lot of chutzpah showing up here at the battlefield. <laughs> right? You think you show up here, you all that? Get out of here, shepherd boy, cheese boy. You show up here. You read the story. It's just two chapters. You can do this. This week, I encourage you. I'm only highlighting it, but I encourage you to read the whole story. It's two chapters. 1 Samuel 16, 17. You'll love it. But his brothers are like, who you? Bring that up in here. Get out of here. This is all about. Again, he has to move past the disbelief of the king. The king was literally, he was a sacrificial, literally a sacrificial lamb. <laughs> yeah, okay, yeah, David, you go fight him. One more day that we don't have to fight Goliath, we'll send him a little kid. King knew that. He's not going to survive a minute against the giant. He had to listen through the taunts of the enemy. Going, really? You send me this? You send me a boy of all the soldiers you have? This runt? Really? And David's like, oh, listen, um, you may not understand who you're talking to. There was something happening here because David had a conviction inside of him that he knew who he was. I know why I'm here. Do you know why you're here? You should know you're about to die. I know why I'm here. And David comes out to the battlefield. And I want you to, you can write this down, it's in your notes. He was sent to the battlefield with encouragement and provision. That's what he went to the battlefield with. And now we are being sent into our community with what? It's right up on the answer sheets right there. There they are. We're being sent into our community with what? Listen, here's what happens. David shows up with encouragement and provision. He's like, hey, what's going on? Here's the bread and cheese. Why are we doing that? Why don't we take this guy out? Watch what happens. A kid slaughters a giant and encourages an entire army with one move. He took five stones, he only threw one. In one move, he encourages an entire army. And as you read through the rest of chapter 17, it says they chased the Philistines to the border. The Philistines are like, what? All the army's like, God's with us. Yeah, I told you God was with us, right? Imagine David. Didn't I just say that? We serve the Lord of heaven's armies, you know, right? God of heaven and earth, and right? Hey, we serve the God of heaven's armies. And they chase the enemy all the way to the border, slaughtering, it's a great story, slaughtering the Philistines. Rated R for sure. <laughs> we are sent into our community with encouragement and provision. Who are you encouraging today? Who are you providing for today? You have provision. What are you doing with it? There are people here in Santa Clarita who need their faith restored. And do you know who God's sending? Not David. Not just me. Who's God sending? You and me. To encourage and provide. To restore the faith of people all around us. Because I'll tell you what. Faith has been destroyed. Have you ever met that Christian that you just wish wasn't a Christian because they are a Christian, right? You know what I'm talking about? The person you go, oh, no, they're going to make God look bad. 
You know the person at work I'm talking about. Listen, if you don't know that person, you might be that person. <laughs> Just so you know. But you know that person, and it's going back to that, it's going back to that workplace scenario. The world looks at us and goes, you're a Christian, right? Don't you pray? <laughs> You've never once asked me if you could pray for me. Why? That's Goliath. It's a giant. Just takes one. Just takes one. And I'm telling you, when you pray for a stranger, you'll start praying for other strangers. It's the most wonderful thing. Strangers go, oh, okay. You, you can pray for me. All right. And then you pray, and I'm telling you, I've had this happen so many times. And they start crying, men and women. They start crying, they're like, thank you for caring. And you know what I'm doing? Restoring faith. Because they don't believe in our God anymore. Tell me about your powerful God. You never talk about him. I know you go to church on the weekend, but is that all it is? This little box that you check? God is sending us to restore faith. But it takes perseverance. It takes driving in, continuing going forward, moving beyond what people think about us, what people are saying to us. And it takes us doing the right thing because it's the right thing to do. And that's hard. I said it last week. It's not about our ability. It's about our availability. Are you available? No, I got I to watch the sheep. Let somebody else take the bread and cheese. I've got the provision for me. This provision is for me. No, God gave you provision for somebody else. And so we stock the pantry at Golden Valley High School. And we make sure that those kids have new shoes and socks and jackets when the weather gets cold. And we stock another pantry over here at an elementary school. And I can't remember the name of the school. We stock it here in Canyon Country because that's what we do. We have provision. And we encourage people with that provision. And they go, really, a church brought all this stuff? <gasps> Faith being restored. And so we help the community. And so we're, with this month, we're, our focus, we're focusing on the churches in, in paradise. Specifically one, but all of them. It's been devastated. Paradise is, is a pile of charcoal. But we're going to encourage them. You know why? Because we have provision. And we're going to send provision to the battlefield. And they're going to go, oh, God saw us in our pain. God saw us in the midst of when everybody left. They were all here for the first week, making sure we were fed, making sure we got taken care of. But now it's been two weeks. Where did everybody go? We're not going to forget about them. God has given us the ability to encourage people, the, the provision to encourage people. I want to encourage all of us to live a life of steady goodness. In the mundane faithfulness, keep getting up. Keep reading your word. I don't get anything out of it. I'm really having a bad season. I don't know what your bad season looks like. I know what my bad season looked like. I can tell you what I struggled with. I don't know what you're struggling with. It's the holidays. I'm having people dying in the holidays. That makes the holidays rough, doesn't it? See, people are struggling with all kinds of stuff. But we are sent with encouragement in the mundane. I'm doing this daily so that when it comes up, oh, I have something to give. I've been keeping at it. God wants to see our good deeds pour forth. But that's, that's steady goodness. How many of you like bad weather friends? Right? They only show up when there's problems. Right? How many of us are bad weather friends with God? 
We don't talk to him. We don't pray to him. We don't read his words to us until it all goes to pot. We go, oh, God, hey, by the way, remember me. I need your help now. Where were you in the mundane days of faithfulness? Well, things were good. I didn't need God then. I haven't prayed to God because things have been good. All the bills are paid. The cars are running. The job is secure. And now the car's not running and the bills are behind. And I don't know that we're going to be able to keep our job. Now we're praying. Now we're reading. It's during the mundane days of faithfulness that we learn how to conquer the Goliaths. Because losing your job is a Goliath. Because not having enough money to put tires on your car is a Goliath. Not knowing how you're going to pay the next bill, that's a Goliath. But when you read the truth in the mundane days of faithfulness, I'm reading it, I'm coming back to this. So when I'm tried, I know where I'm turning to. I'm going to repeat something else. 2 Timothy 4, Paul says this to Timothy. Listen to this. The Lord stood with me. He gave me strength so that I might preach the good news in its entirety for all the Gentiles to hear. He rescued me from certain death. Paul's life was anything but mundane. This is what he's saying when he's shipwrecked. This is what he's saying when he's imprisoned here, when he's imprisoned there, when he's imprisoned there the third time. This is what he's saying when he's been stoned to death the first time, stoned to death. They leave him for dead twice. This is what Paul is saying. Put that into context. God stood with me. And he rescued me from certain death. Paul said this. And it's for us. What are you doing during these days of, it's just mundane. I'm just going to work. I'm doing the thing I got to do, you know. But geez, man, I wish there was more. I want God to use me. Then get used to doing the right thing now. So when that comes up, you're ready. You know what to do when Goliath shows up. In your last notes, David stood because he listened to the conviction and the confidence of what he knew what was inside of him. I know who I am. I know what I can do. When God is with me, please note, he didn't say, hey, did you know I took blue ribbon at the local county fair with slingshot? You gotta know that, by the way, King Saul. I'm really good, I'm, I'm really good. First place in you know, seventh grade, the slingshot contest in school. No, 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 listen. The God of heaven's armies is with me. You picked the wrong person to talk to today because I've watched it in my mundane days of faithfulness, watching sheep. I've been killing bears and lions. I don't come to you with any of that stuff. I want to pray for us this morning. Pray for us that we stay true. We stay, stay true during the mundane days of faithfulness. I just keep, it's just like, when am I gonna get breakthrough? Stay faithful. Stay faithful. When am I gonna see it end? Stay faithful. And it's hard. Again, I don't know your trial, I only know my trial, and I heard the Lord say, hey, 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 right here, you keep your eyes on me. Listen to this promise. I love it. I kept repeating it. I know you heard me say it. I, if I said it once, I said it two dozen times. He will keep in perfect peace those who keep their eyes on him, those who put their trust in him. I said, oh, I got to keep repeating that because I don't have a lot of peace and I need some peace. And he goes, hey, 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 here. 
Right, mundane days of faithfulness. I'm getting out of bed, okay. I'm keeping my eyes on you. That's hard. I want to pray for you this morning. Father, there are many here who are in the middle of the mundane. You've got to be kidding. It's the same thing again. I just did this Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday. Every day that ends in Y, I'm doing the same thing. Can we be done? And I'm asking for those who are weary, for those who are tired, Father, would you go with them today? Encourage them. That today, maybe I showed up with encouragement and provision for someone here. Maybe I showed up with encouragement and provision for someone here. And I pray that they would have this cheese and bread. (laughs) This morning they would be encouraged that a giant can be slain for you. Eyes up here. Is that you? Can I pray for you specifically? Are you facing a Goliath? Are you, are you out of your league? Are you weighing over your head? Are you like, there is no way out of I'm at the end of my rope. That's God's address, by the way. That's you, raise your hand. I just want to pray for you. Right on. So I'm going to pray. Keep them up, because I want to pray for you. In Jesus' name, these people who are tired, they are worn out. They are, they, it's like, really, when can this end? And I'm praying in Jesus' name. Each of these people, they're saying, you know what? That's, I, I'm so done. I'm tired. I'm exhausted. I'm wiped out. I've got nothing left. When is this going to be over? And I'm saying to you today, you serve the Lord of heaven's armies. You serve the God, the living God of all creation. He's your God. He wants to see you through. He sees that, Goliath. Know with conviction and know with confidence who God has made you to be. Greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. So I don't know what Goliath you're facing. I got my own Goliaths. I got to wake up and I got to face them every day. Do I have seconds on dessert? Oh, that's a Goliath. It's terrible. In Jesus' name, I pray for freedom for my friends as we face Goliaths of different shapes and sizes, but they're all giants. And then, Father, for some people here who don't have a relationship with Jesus, again, eyes up here. Listen, if you don't have a relationship with Jesus, this is where it starts. Because that confidence does not come through your education. That confidence does not come through through the degrees that you have. Your confidence cannot come with school. Your confidence cannot come with job. Your confidence cannot come with check balance, uh, check checking accounts balance. Your, Your confidence cannot come from anything here. Because you've seen it fade, haven't you? You put your confidence, okay, we got $1,000 in the bank account. Woohoo! And then everything broke down in $1,000. How many experienced that before? I was putting my confidence because I had money in the bank, and then the money went wham. I was like, wow, what just happened? And here's what I heard the Lord say, that's why I put it there. I go, oh, right. But you can't have confidence. You can't have a deep conviction when you face the giant unless you know Jesus is with you. I come at you in the name of the Lord. See, that was the confidence that, G- that, that David had when he faced Goliath. 
If you're here this morning, you don't have a relationship with Jesus, today's the moment. This is the time. You thought somebody dragged you to church, it was probably for this. You thought you were coming, you looked this up on the internet, oh, there's a church in Canyon Country. Oh, it's down front, and there's a retirement community behind the mobile station. Where's that church, you all right? Welcome home. God brought you here today for this, that you might start this relationship with him, to have confidence in the Goliaths that you face, to have conviction. I'm standing as a child of God. I'm not on my own. I'm not, it's not about how much I know and how, how much I can get done. God is for me. And if God is for me, who can stand against me? One plus God's a majority. Goliath learned that the hard way. If you're here and you don't have a relationship with Jesus, I just want to pray with you. If that's you, raise your hand. I just want to pray with you. Anybody? This is your moment. This is your opportunity. It's for you. We are people of good news. That is good news for you. If not today, I want, to he- I want you to hear something. Get ready. He's coming after you. The Bible says that God pursues us with goodness. God wants to be good to you. Anybody? Okay, Father, here we are. We are people of good news. And you've given us this good news that we might shout it from the rooftops. In this season of Christmas, that's what we're doing. I'm not, uh, okay, when I say Merry Christmas, I'm not, I'm not saying I hope Santa Claus comes down your chimney. No, these are good news of great joy for all people. Christ the Lord is born today. And we will shout that from the mountains. Father, we are people of good news. We will, we will look for the opportunity. The, the fellow employee, <coughs> coughing. Can I pray for you? It might happen just like that. Can I pray for you? It might be somebody comes to you. Hey, I hear you go to church. Yeah, you want to go with me this weekend? It might be, I don't know. But I pray, make us bold. Let it be so, in Jesus' name. Let it be done.